The Start On Demand. On demand. Kansas City with a come-from-behind victory to defeat San Francisco in the Super Bowl on Sunday. We'll have a conversation about the game, about some of the best commercials, about the halftime show, and whether or not the Super Bowl and other big events like the Grey Cup and the Oscars, etc., should be on Saturday instead of Sunday. Speaking of football, we got some big breaking news from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers during the broadcast. Chris Streveler, beloved quarterback, has been released by the club to further pursue NFL opportunities. Mackling kind of went at it with the Winnipeg Airports Authority over the weekend over the lack of taxis available to people trying to get out of the airport. And we'll meet an inspirational speaker who says laughter is the best medicine. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's back next week. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Monday, February 3rd podcast for The Start. Mackling and McGarry McNabb is back next week, and congratulations to the great state of Kansas. <laughs> yeah, uh, President Trump, hate to tell you, man, but the Kansas City Chiefs, the Super Bowl champions, play in Missouri. Most of the people who live in Kansas City actually live in Missouri, not in Kansas, but why sweat the small stuff? Details, details. <laughs> I'm sure Kansas is a great state. It is a great state. Have you been there? Yes. Yeah? Absolutely. Been to a Chiefs game, in fact, once upon a time at Arrowhead Stadium. Great place to watch football. Just go straight down Pembina Highway and take a left at Missouri. It's perfect. At I-70, it's easy drive. Is that really all you do? Just- yeah, 13 hours drive straight down Pembina Highway and then oh, take wow. a little left once you get to I-70. About 10 miles off the interstate, you'll find not only the Arrowhead Stadium, but also the Royals Baseball Stadium, Kauffman Stadium, I think they call it to this day, uh, right beside. They're on the same They're on the same gigantic parking lot where you will enjoy some of the best tailgating ever. Well, and I, as far as the game is concerned, the Super Bowl, uh, what did you think of the game? Did you I, see the whole game? I went to bed at halftime, so the part I saw was was fairly boring shall we say yeah the first half was kind of a grind and uh i so i was at my dad's i watched most of the first half and then i left just before the halftime show so i got home watched the halftime show and then kind of skimmed i just sort of fast forwarded through most of the third quarter until i caught up to it being live and then the fourth quarter turned out to be super exciting kansas city pulling out its Comeback tricks once again. Is that three games in a row they had to come back from? From 10 or more points. First team ever to do that in three postseason games. And to be down by 10 points with under eight minutes left and you win by 11. Absolutely incredible. Three touchdowns in the last seven minutes for for Kansas City. And we'll, Absolutely fantastic game. Congratulations to them. And we'll have lots to discuss on the Super Bowl in our next segment as well, including some of the highlight commercials and we're hoping to play some audio for you from The Shift with Drex. He found a listener, Marion from BC, who was disgusted by the halftime show. Just disgusted! And their scantily clad outfits. And I also wanted to point something out as well, because you've probably seen stuff like this on social media. One of my buddies put on his Instagram, 
He's saying, I love this. Keep fighting the good fight, people who call it sports ball, and make sure we know you're not watching it. I'm sure the NFL is heartbroken by your passive-aggressive fake disinterest. (laughs) Yes, I don't know what it is about social media that people feel compelled to let you know what they're not doing, Mm -hmm. that they're not interested what's going on. Merely by stating the fact that you're not interested, you are generating interest. So it sort of backfires, just so you know. Yeah. So we realize that not everybody is into the Super Bowl, but probably 100 million people in the United States alone will have watched last night, never mind the millions around the world. Did you get a ticket for the bingo? I did not play the bingo. The the cards were very elusive, as we know, heading into Saturday's big game hosted by, co-hosted by our friend and colleague, Kathy Kennedy. At least one person won the big jackpot. We don't know if it's more than one, but they did give it away. Over $640,000 on Saturday. Kinsman Jackpot. Pot bingo. <laughs> bingo. Yeah. Record pot 640,000, nearly double the previous high total of $375,000. I've never seen such fervor and excitement over Kinsman Jackpot Bingo, but I mean, I, it's great for Kinsman because they take they they take that money and they do great things with it. It's unfortunate what ended up happening with people chasing after couriers and getting in fights in line. But uh, super exciting and uh, such a quintessentially Manitoban story. So. I couldn't agree with you more. So uh, congratulations to the winner or winners. Hey, coming up at 7.07, Global News is launching a two-week series on health. This week they're focusing on diet. We are focusing on diet. And then next week it's about exercise. And today we're going to bring to you a piece from our friends out in Vancouver from CKNW called The Unhealthy Effects And I'm sure today is probably apropos because I'm guessing a lot of people will be feeling the unhealthy effects of everything they ate last night. What was on your menu? Anything? Did you behave, quote unquote, behave? Yeah, I mostly behaved. I was, uh, my sister uh, just cooked up some pierogies that my dad's neighbor, Brian, brought over as a sort of a kind gesture to help my dad's sort of spirit in his recovery. And uh, so, yeah, I just ate a, a handful of pierogies. And they were delicious, but there was no sour cream, so I I, I made, went with ketchup, mustard, and main and a Miracle Whip. Sorry, <laughs> as the side accoutrement. No. Yeah, it, it and out, they, all three were acceptable. Did you did you have any kubasa or anything with it? No, just, just the pierogies. Just a handful of pierogies. And what what would you dip your pierogi in each one of those? Would you alternate all of them in the same bite? What would what would you do with the dip? Started off alternating. And yes. then uh, by the end, I was just kind of mashing it all together. Hodgepodge, just yeah. a, a porridge, a mixture of all three. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I should have been with you because we did. We had to have the, we went to M&M and there were five of us went to M&M and we each picked one thing. Yep. A lasagna, which remains in the freezer this morning uh, because we did not need it. Uh, the little uh, mini uh, hot dogs wrapped in the, the piggies in a blanket, okay. wieners in a blanket, wings, meatballs. Uh, one other thing. Oh, dessert. Oh, yes. That is also still in the freezer because we did not need that. So, <laughs> Could be worse. It's minus 41.9 in Eureka, which is in uh, Nunavut. Oh, my word. So, yeah. The Super Bowl. 
obviously there's the game, but it's not just about the game. It's about the commercials. It's about the halftime show. And the commercials, I know that uh, when it comes to Tom Brady, how old is he now? What is he, 42? He's in his 40s. I can't remember exactly how old, but I know that there was a picture, a mysterious picture that was posted to social media last week where he was kind of in the tunnel uh, with the football field in the Mm -hmm. background and you couldn't tell if he was walking toward it or if he was walking away from it. Um, He's 42, August 3rd, 1977. But uh, so it turned out to be kind kind of a fake what, what happened? What was the Tom Brady deal? Well, the speculation was that it was some sort of profound message to his fans and to the rest of the National Football League that, hey, I'm out of here. Sayonara. Things are done for me in New England. And maybe all together, it was a fake out. They say all good things must come to an end. That the best just know when to walk away. So to my teammates, my family, and most of all, my fans, you deserve to hear this from me. Hulu doesn't just have live sports. According to the script they just gave me, Hulu also has your favorite cable channels plus the greatest shows, movies, and originals of all time. So it's time to say goodbye to TV as you know it. But me? I'm not going anywhere. Oh, yeah, you got everybody. So does that mean he's he's sticking around? He's sticking around. The question remains, will he be a Patriot mm. or will he play elsewhere? He does not have a contract for next season. He is a free agent, a very expensive one, most suspect. Uh, the rumor du jour yesterday was that he might be headed to Las Vegas as the Oakland Raiders make their new home in Nevada starting next season. There'll be lots of speculation. We don't need to talk about it here, but uh, very well done, Tom Brady and Hulu. I see the Patriots are willing to pay Tom Brady $30 million to keep him as their QB. Okay, so the next one, you sent you when you sent me this commercial, I was so excited. Yesterday, of course, was Groundhog Day. Phil? Hey, Phil! No, not you. It's me, man! Ryerson! Okay, little fella, good job. That's different. Good job. Hey! He's got the groundhog! (laughs) Phil? Hey, you're gonna freeze to death. Who cares? See you tomorrow. Safety first. It's not personal. It's just a game. Not a bad day, huh? I don't know where we parked. I was following you. So Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, he detests. The idea of reliving this thing over and over again, correct? Yeah. Is that the context here? Yep. But he, there was a Jeep commercial, and he stumbles upon this fancy Jeep, and suddenly he's happy to be reliving the <laughs> same day over and over again. So that was cool to see Bill Murray. And I know you were a big fan of this Hyundai spot. Oh, look at this guy. Hey, Rachel, how are you? Hey, good. How are you? He's not getting that car in there. No, sir. 
Look at these two troublemakers. Hey, Johnny, how are you? Wicked car, is that new? Yeah, it's a Sonata. Let me pack it. Oh, you're not fitting your car in there. Chris, stop being a smarty pants, all right? Look who's got smart pack. Smart pack? Just hit the clicker, car packs itself. It's smart. It's wicked smart. And I can pack it anyway. How about Dorchester? Packed it. Foxborough? Packed it. The Garden? Packed it. Saugus? Packed it. Swampscott? Revere? The Harbor? Are you kidding me? I packed it and then unpacked it. You unpacked it? Kid. Game changer. That Sonata ain't got no driver. That's all right, he's got smart pack. Hey, you can pack there. He's got smart pack! Hey, whoa, whoa, it's Big Poppy. Wicked smart. This is a ghost car. A better way to park. Only available on the all-new Sonata with remote smart parking assist. Sorry about that, your bigness. Did you guys know he lived there? I had no idea. Who's in, in that commercial? In order of appearance, Chris Evans, Rachel Dratch, John Krasinski, and of course, the legendary Big Poppy. And if you want to see the exchange between Drex and Marion from BC, who is disgusted by the halftime show, go to the 680 CJOB Instagram story. We have linked his tweet to that. <laughs> We've each got a bone to pick that is related to transportation. No question about it. And I'll make mine quick uh, because Richard and Julie have been pounding this drum for weeks now and good for them. Avi Khan from ShawarmaCon has joined them numerous times to talk about the changes that have come to the Exchange District into downtown with the bike lanes that have been put in and all the loading zones that have been added and how it's difficult to find parking and businesses are closing or they're leaving. And I experienced this firsthand. I don't, I don't go downtown a ton. If I do, it's usually on a bus or on a cab, but in a car, I don't do it that often. Had to go downtown on Friday to visit 201 Portage because we're getting ready to move the radio stations over to join our friends in the global Winnipeg newsroom. And uh, ma- they were getting ready to put the microphones into our studio. And our boss, Brent, said, hey, why don't we get someone who actually does this job to come down and have a look? <laughs> and uh, so I went down there, just had, had a peek and said, why don't we put this here and put that there? Just a couple of tweaks. So thank you for including me in that. But I spent 15 minutes trying to find street parking. It is a nightmare trying to find parking on the street now because they've taken away a bunch of spots. I know that they've added more spots in the east side. They've got all those spots, all those streets with the angle parking or whatever. And I know there's parkades abound, but uh, I don't generally like to do the parkades. I think historically because I can usually easily find a spot. Wasn't easy. I ended up parking on Princess, I think, between between McDermott and Notre Dame. Uh, to get to 201 Portage. That's a little bit of a hike. Yeah, not the end uh, not of the that, world. Not that you mind walking, but it was the exercise in what felt like futility to actually find a spot, Yeah, if I'm reading you correctly. Oh, yes, you are very correct. <laughs> it was agonizing trying to find a parking spot downtown. So I just wanted to say to those who have been experiencing this and those who have been fighting with the city over this, I, I feel your pain now. I empathize. It was frustrating beyond belief trying to get a spot downtown. Well, I had a same sort of empathetic, empathic, empathetic, I think, I think, pain, they, I think feeling. <laughs> anyway, I was feeling the pain of those who were getting off airplanes and wanted to either go home or to their hotel at Winnipeg International James Richardson Airport on Friday afternoon, went to pick up my buddy from the airport on Friday around 430 and I noticed a lineup for the taxis. But what I didn't see were a lineup of taxis for people that wanted to get somewhere. And so 
They have this annoying setup, and I understand why, but they have this annoying setup where you're not really supposed to wait for anybody at the airport when you're picking them up. You can park, pay to park, and pick them up, or there's a lane of a waiting area, but it's only supposed to be when you know that your person's there, you pull over, they put their stuff in your trunk or in your back seat, and away you go. Well, of course, it doesn't necessarily work that way. But I try to obey that rule, so I'm doing loops around, and I'm realizing <laughs> I'm doing I'm realizing that the that there are people waiting for taxi cabs, but no ta- taxis. So of course, I had to tweet about it. Of course. <laughs> so here's my <laughs> original tweet because this is what we do now when we're angry. So I'm picking up someone at, at YWG Airport. So the folks at the airport authority would see my tweet and my concern. And there were zero taxis available my first time around the loop lineup of people to my two. My second time around, still a lineup. So the airport's authority says this. Friday after work is a peak time for taxi requests across the city, especially when there is an NHL game. The Jets were hosting the Bruins Friday night. There are ride-sharing apps available at the airport, including Top Car, Reride, and U-Ride, to help meet the demand. So then I retweeted with this response from... Winnipeg Airport's authority. Oh, Greg's picking a fight. Please help me understand how somebody coming in from St. Louis, because according to my buddy who's coming in from San Diego, Scott Mortland, a lot of you know him. Hi, Scott. There were three Blues fans in the lineup at Customs. So please tell me how somebody from St. Louis cares about the contract policy, because only one of the two major taxi firms are allowed on the airport. What? Yes. The fact, in terms of picking up, the fact that it's the busiest night of the week or have the app for these other ride shares on their phone. Response from the airport. One more time. Uh Hi, Greg. The reality is we don't have enough taxis in Winnipeg to meet demand. As the largest taxi stand in the city, we are most impacted. When we anticipate a lineup, we call every taxi company in the city to provide service at the airport, but we need more options. So, an acknowledgement that there aren't enough options in the city of Winnipeg, but the whole idea that you would land here, and I understand waiting in a line because I have waited in a line for taxis in other cities or waited to take the shuttle to the off-site Car rental places, because in the larger airports, that's what you need to do, because the car rental is not right across the street from the terminal. It's somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't care if there were taxis coming, but there were no taxis coming. One thing when you're lined up waiting for something, that there's no service at the end of the line. If you have a long lineup and there are taxis continuously coming... Oh, okay. Eventually I'll get one. But how frustrating would it be to be in a line for a taxi, but no taxis are coming? It would be super frustrating, especially because that's when you get out of the, when you get off of your plane in any city, you just expect that there will be options for transportation. And I've never had a problem in any, not, not that I am a, a well-traveled person. I'm no, I'm not a, a globe trotter, but whether it's Las Vegas, Calgary, Edmonton, wherever I've been, there are always cabs. I'd like to typically a lot 
of cabs waiting outside. And I know there are other options too. There's, uh, you know, limo service typically is available Mm -hmm. outside the airport. We've had a number of listeners tell us that in recent uh, days since we've been making these discussions, grab a limo or grab uh, another driving service. But to me, it just goes hand in hand. There should be a cab waiting outside the airport. Yeah, it, it, uh, it felt embarrassing. And there was a lot of discussion on my Twitter feed that that's exactly how a lot of people feel when they have others coming here, that that's their response is, I waited for a cab. Others say it's not a big deal. What do you think? Is it embarrassing for the city of Winnipeg? And how do you account for, you know, a handful of busy times? Does that justify putting more taxi cabs on the road or more ride sharing? Because we heard last week when we were discussing ride sharing concerns about, well, if you let too many cars on the streets, then nobody's going to make any money. I understand that there is a balance there, but is this a is this problematic in your mind? We'd like to hear from you. And as well, in terms of these other apps, do you think anybody coming from outside of Winnipeg is going to know ahead of time. Like, I suppose there may be the argument could be made that it's up to the traveler to know where they're going and to do their research. But they're not really? coming to a third world country. They're no. not coming. They're not going halfway around the world. They're not crossing an ocean. I think, I think it's reasonable to expect that if people are traveling, traveling within North America, that when they get to the airport, they're going to go, well, I'll just grab a ta- taxi cab or an Uber. And if the taxi cab's not available, you're scratching your head. Okay, I guess I'll get an, oh, you don't have Uber or Lyft? I think it's problematic. Yeah, and and, and there, we don't have shuttles either, do we? Like a lot of places will have like shuttles. Like airport to shuttles? Yeah. That's a great question. I imagine some of them maybe do. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that we... Because I've never needed to take a shuttle from the airport in Winnipeg to a downtown hotel or anything like Kudos that. Kudos to Winnipeg Transit, though. There was always, and I was there for about half an hour, there was always two buses there. So uh, there was a bus loading and like at the bus stop, and then there was another bus right waiting for when that bus left for another bus to pop into the bus stop. I don't know if that's a regular occurrence or not, but that was the circumstance and that was happening on Friday evening. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb. McNabb is back next week. Jeff Braun is here, Cam Poitras, Jeff Fortier. Right now we want to pose the question, should the Super Bowl and other events like it, like the Grey Cup, be on Saturday Instead of Sunday, I know there's a petition in the United States to get the Super Bowl moved to Saturday instead of Sunday, but the league has already said it's not going to happen. It's going to stay on Sunday for TV ratings issues. But there is a cost to having this on Sundays. If all workers, for example, who watch the Super Bowl come in just one hour late or spend one hour discussing the game instead of doing work, it could cost employers $1.78 billion. That's just in the States. Mm-hmm. 
So why not have it on Saturday? I don't know. What do you think, Cam Poitras? Uh, yeah, well, I, I would obviously prefer that. I uh, remember when the Banjo Bowl was on Sundays and moved it to Saturdays, way better. Yep. Um, and it was for the exact same reasons, you know what I mean? It was tough. They had people coming from out of town, uh, from Saskatchewan, coming in for the game, uh, and it just made it better for them to be able to get back, you know, get back home for the for the work week. You could uh, enjoy yourself a little more, shall we say, uh, on a Saturday than you can on a Sunday having to go back to work. Uh, I, I don't see it happening, of course, but... But, uh, yeah, I would obviously prefer that. I mean, it's much better on a Saturday, I think. Well, CareerBuilder.com already says the most common day to call uh, call in sick for work is Monday. 48% of sick calls come on a Monday. (laughs) So, you know, might as well just ring up that total. Keep it going. Maybe it's just for, uh, remember Elaine's reasons on Seinfeld? I had to take a sick day. I'm so sick of these people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really surprised there aren't more sick days around uh, here based on that reason uh, alone. Funny. Jeff Horche? Um, I'm kind of indifferent because having those, you know, award shows or games on a Sunday night, it kind of, it's the way to end the weekend. That's the way I kind of see it. Uh, you know, most people on Sundays are at home already, you know, kind of just resting. That's what Sundays are for in. I kind of like it on Sundays. Yeah, I agree with Jeff. I, I think it's a nice way to wind down the weekend kind of thing. And then you can have your whole weekend before it. And then right at the end when you're probably not doing anything anyways, there's all of a sudden there's something cool to do or whatever. And I mean, I always host my friends for a great cup and uh, for Super Bowl. So I don't have to drive home afterwards or anything. I could just go to bed as soon as they leave my house. So the, you know, the timing never really bothers me. You know, Sunday is technically the first day of the week. Yeah, but it's the end of the weekend. I understand yeah. that. But just, just, <laughs> just, just so that we're clear. What okay. do you think, Mackling? Well, you know, the Grey Cup used to be on a Saturday, and we've had this conversation before. The idea about when people are traveling, uh, weddings are on a Saturday night for a reason, and some of these events are gigantic celebrations for some people. I would like to see them try it on a Saturday. I know why they don't. Mm-hmm. But this is about personal preference, and it would have been great to watch the entire game last night. And I couldn't have been alone in people who said, I need sleep over enjoying this really? football game. Well, there had to be people yes. who said that I like I can't function unless I get a certain amount Surgeons of sleep. Surgeons and air traffic controllers. And that's it? I don't know. That's the end of it? <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'd like to see them try it. Try it. I think it would be, uh, I think it would be more enjoyable for more people, but like I say, I understand completely why they do it. I think it's like a DraftKings poll or something that they put out that they actually want uh, Super Bowl Monday to be a, a vacation, a national vacation in the United <laughs> States, so they can keep it on the Sunday, and then everyone just gets the Monday off well, afterwards. President's Day is coming up, if not this coming Monday. I think it coincides with our long weekend with okay. Louis Riel Day, so maybe they should just bump it up that. a couple weeks. Mm. But I guess change that. Martin Luther King Day is, is kind of, it's about mid-January too, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So I, I I don't I don't really what arguing about American national <laughs> holidays, but uh, I give them the give them a day off USA. Come on, guys, they don't do holidays. I know the they States. don't. It's ridiculous. They celebrate holidays. They don't give holidays. What do you I think, know. Brett? Well, I, I I understand why they leave it on Sunday because it's a big deal for TV and it's big business. But I find it hard to believe that ratings would tumble if they moved it to Saturday. Yeah, uh, because if they, it. It's the Super Bowl. People are going to watch it. And if they do it on Saturday, then I think that opens it up for more people to have Super Bowl parties or to go out and watch the game. Like if the game was held 
on a Saturday, then I would make sure to find a party somewhere and go out and go sit in a lounge or go sit in a pub and not worry about it. Because last all week long, I was thinking, and I realized that our schedule is unique or, or fairly unique in comparison to the, you know, the normal world. But uh, I was stressed out, like, where am I going to watch this? Am I going to watch the whole game of my dad's or should I go home before the game starts? Well, like, wh- So I left right before halftime. If it was on Saturday, could have gone out with buddies, watched the game, had a few. Game would have ended, had a few more after the game. Sleep in Sunday, no worries. Big party, everybody wins. But I, I am I also hear Forte and Braun's the notion that it's nice to have stuff to look forward to on a Sunday. I wonder if it would reduce the economic impact and benefit to the cities hosting these events. I'm thinking Super Bowl in particular, because now your Sunday becomes your travel day. So you, you lose one night of hotel of everybody having to stay over, traveling on the Monday. People then... They're not taking holidays or leaving on a Thursday night. Now they're leaving it on a Wednesday night. There are going to be some other adjustments made in terms of Grey Cup travel, etc. So you're never going to, going to eliminate. It's never going to be perfect for anyone, I guess, is the point. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb back next week. Super Bowl halftime show. Jennifer Lopez and Shakira. They put on quite the show. Marion in BC, however, on the shift with Drex overnight, she <laughs> she's disgusted by the show, and uh, Drex had some fun with that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you? you know, which... I went into the restaurant, yeah. and my friend said, "All right, have you seen this halftime show?" And we started watching it. Yeah. And it was disgusting. So they had these um these jumpsuits on all see-through like Shakira and Jennifer. Jennifer Lopez had this black, sexy, like, it was just disgusting. Hang on, why was it disgusting, though? Well, because it's not something like, and then they have these young girls, they were all dressed like in, like, high white things, and then the guys came out. Yeah. They were fully clothed, but then they came out. Well, with hang, well, hang on. A, well, hang on a second. When I tuned into the halftime show, uh, it was when yeah. the guys came out, and the guys were not fully clothed. No, they were at first, and then they came. They had those like bondage type outfits, and I just thought it wasn't appropriate for young kids to be watching that. So why did you get some? Did you get some weird questions from little ones? No, it was like um, they they were like they were being sex objects. The women, especially. The men weren't so bad, but the women, oh. like, you know... They, no, they, they, they were definitely objectifying the men as well, because I was standing there objectifying yeah, the men along with the, all the other women. for, for yeah. kids to be watching that, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, well, yeah I, no, I get it, I get it. Uh, yeah. What's worse, though, uh, that or Janet Jackson's breast a few years ago? <laughs> you know, it's all bad. God. I'm guessing Jennifer Lopez and Shakira both picked their own outfits. I suspect that they had a little bit to say about what they were wearing. They made a decision to do so. Loren didn't uh, agree with you or I on our idea that it was pretty good show. That's listener Loren, not Loren McNabb. Not Loren McNabb. Basically, the halftime show took millions of viewers into the largest strip club. Between the two headliners, all we saw were crotch shots all over the TV. They need new dance choreographers. Amongst other takes on it. I don't really have a problem with the crotch shots, but... uh, And hey, it was a good show as well. Good performances. But yes, Shakira and Jennifer Lopez, they're both spectacularly gorgeous women, and I quite enjoyed the halftime show.
Mackling and McGarry, McNabb back next week. Question of the day at cjob.com, brought to you by Credit Aid. Helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. And the question is, should the Super Bowl and other big events like the Grey Cup Oscars, etc., be held on Saturday instead of Sunday. And your options are, yeah, more time to party, or no, Sunday works just fine. Cast your vote at cjob.com. We'll get that up on Twitter as well. And we already have that poll up on our 680CJOB Instagram story. But we've gotten some feedback this morning, Greg, at 204-780-6868. Yeah, one of our listeners is uh, picking up on the fact that we believe, or many believe, that you have to party, drink to get the biggest gift men- mentally for it to be fun. Seems quite successful on Sunday. Leave it as such. Another listener says they can keep it on Sunday. Just start it at 2 p.m. instead of 5.30. I didn't watch any because of my early bedtime. That's from a listener, not personally. And one other, one of our listeners, I take holidays to go to Grey Cup. Changing the game to Saturday means I would have to go Wednesday as the parties make the event. But you followed that up with an interaction on the text machine. Yeah, I I asked, well, wouldn't you just be swapping out Wednesday or Monday for Wednesday because if you're taking holidays and you're going to the Grey Cup, then you're going to need to take Monday off to mm-hmm. come back. So I don't know if it works out easier for this person to, to come back on the Monday uh, as opposed to taking the Wednesday off. But yeah, thanks to Diana and Kevin, the garbage man, for those first two notes. I don't think it's so much about needing to be able to drink for me. I just, I like, I, I think it just creates an easier atmosphere to, to have a party. Like Cam Poitras at 645. He nailed it when he said when they moved the banjo bowl from Sunday to Saturday to accommodate those coming in from Saskatchewan, it did create, you know, now it's a Saturday party and you can go, whether it's just go to the game or if you want to continue to, to you want to follow the game and go out somewhere and eat and, and be merry. If it involves drinking, great. I think it just creates sort of this atmosphere of, of party that you can't quite have on the Sunday because... Yeah, you can go to a Super Bowl party, but you know you're going to pay for it, regardless of whether or not you're drinking. If you're eating, if you're stuffing your face, you're going to feel like garbage the next day. Yeah, and you're sacrificing sleep under any circumstance then. If you're going out and the game doesn't end till after 9 o'clock, you're not getting home till after 10. So even for people who have a regular bedtime and wake up at a decent hour in the morning, I think you're giving up some sleep. But we love the feedback. And one of our listeners, just before we go, says, a lot of fans think of football as an as a religion, so Sunday fits. That works too. That works too. It's hard to imagine there not being football on a Sunday. Greg, I came back inside and you said, Brett, we got to talk about this. And my reaction was, oh, no. I think your feelings and sentiments will be reflective of most of Blue Bomber Nation. Cam Poitras joins us now. Cam, what's going on with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Well, we were commenting on reports earlier today, but the Blue Bombers have made it official. They've released quarterback Chris Trevler to pursue NFL opportunities. And typically that means he's likely already agreed to a contract contract with an NFL team. We've seen that several times this season, three times. This will be the third time, rather, that we see it with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Within hours, if not a day, we hear that that player that's been released is signing with an actual NFL club. Yeah, that's 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 correct. And, you know, I, I, I can't wish Chris Streveler, uh 
I, I can't hope for uh, more for him, you know, to come in here to Winnipeg and be such a big part of the team uh, last year through the through the ups and the downs and uh, then to be like so iconic uh, during the Grey Cup parade and, and, you know, after leading up to after the Grey Cup win and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, totally wish him the best. Um, uh, but the Bombers are going to be looking for a backup quarterback. Uh, you know, McGuire, he's still on contract. He's, I guess, slotted in as number two right now. Uh, but uh, I think the Bombers will probably be looking for a guy with a little bit more uh, veteran savvy uh, to be backing up Zach Kalaros uh, coming up into the, the, the 2020 season, which is uh, approaching maybe quicker than you might think. Yeah, we have free agency starting on yep. February the 11th, and uh, right now is a window of opportunity for CFL teams to, in fact, talk to other teams' free agents up until February 9th. So that's going on right now. And, of course, Jonathan Kongbo and Winston Rose are the other two Blue Bombers who were released from their contracts in order to pursue NFL opportunities and immediately signed contracts. Kongbo with the San Francisco 49ers and Winston Rose with the Cincinnati Bengals. I know Strebler's been uh, with a couple of teams. The Buccaneers is one that I've I've, I've heard. I think the Dolphins as well. Uh, teams that he's been he's been talking with. Uh, so uh, that's just kind of like coming through the rumor mill about the teams that 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 have been uh, going after him. Uh, but anyways, hey, wish Chris Strebler the best. And uh, you know, if uh, things don't work out. Find your way back in blue and gold. He's a Winnipeg legend, yep. henceforth, yeah. regardless of where he ends up and if he ever plays another game in blue and gold. Yeah, and I still remember the day that uh, they the Bombers signed Strebler and they put him up for breakfast with the Bombers, which happens every Tuesday at 7.37 on 680 CJOB. And they put him up days later. And neither of us had heard of him. Of course we hadn't heard of him. Why would we have heard of uh, a quarterback from South Dakota? And we he wasn't even in the, in the conversation for backup. The Bombers were looking at another guy, but they, they had to bring him in as a possible third stringer. And we watched his highlights and thought, how is this guy not in the conversation at the very least? Because his he, he was explosive watching the, the, the highlights. And then sure enough, what was it like... <laughs> Three weeks later or something here, he had to start for the Bombers, and he showed his medal in that first season. And this past season, uh, the grit he showed in the postseason was tremendous, and then he was such a an ambassador for the community, uh, you know, it, it mixed with his partying. Like you said, his le- legendary antics uh, were amazing in that. You're breakup. lit. I'm lit. We're all lit. Yeah. We'll and then, live forever. And then he goes to the social on the Friday night and gets lit. And then he's back the next day at the family event at the convention center signing autographs for three hours. And uh, he was such a nice guy. So we're happy to have been able to share his story and watch him grow. And uh, I second your sentiments, Cam. Uh, I wish him... Obviously, we're sad to see him go, yeah. but he's he's in a, a wonderful talent, and if he can get into the National Football League, uh, all the power to him. So hopefully he signs, hopefully he does well, and uh, hopefully he still maybe comes to Winnipeg from time to time to pay us a visit. Uh, thanks for nothing, Cam. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're welcome, Greg. I love giving you bad news. <laughs> Mackling and McGarry McNabb back next week. Greg, it is an important day. No question about that. And uh, I don't know if we can talk about this topic enough. World Cancer Day. And we're going to be talking about a variety of topics uh, about this disease that affects 18.1 million people who are diagnosed every year worldwide and 9.6 million people 
lose the battle with cancer every single year. Dr. Donna Turner is Provincial Director of Population Oncology with Cancer Care Manitoba. She joins us in studio. Good morning, Dr. Turner. Thank you for doing this. We appreciate that. And Jane Kidd-Hancher is Director of Marketing and Communications with Cancer Care Manitoba Foundation. Jane, nice to see you as always. Yes, nice to see you as well. Thank you. Why is this such an important day for you, Jane, before we talk a little bit more about cancer and and the statistics that, that we really should all be paying attention to? We are here today pre-promoting it, so thank you very much for that. Um, it's a really important day, obviously, for me. We've talked about it on a personal level. I work for the foundation. I've had family members, uh, including my son. But really what we're really most impressed about and enthused to do right now is support Cancer Care Manitoba and Manitobans living and affected by cancer by doing a whole bunch of special things tomorrow, which we'll talk more about in detail. So this is... A global health issue. I mean, it's there's no dancing around that. 18.1 million people diagnosed every year around this planet. Dr. Turner. That's right, and it's a, a significant uh, health concern. I am. I think uh, most people are aware that in Canada and Manitoba, we have many people diagnosed with cancer every year. In Canada, it's about 220,000 Canadians are diagnosed every year, and in Manitoba, it's almost 7,000 uh, Manitobans diagnosed every year. So... What's happening at St. Vitale Mall? Because um, we, we know that breast cancer is a huge concern for, for women around the world. What are we doing to, to help women get ahead of things? Well, I'll let Dr. Turner's, Turner speak to the, the part about uh, breast cancer, and I'll talk to some of the other things that are happening tomorrow. All right, that sounds good. Yeah, so one of the things that's really interesting is, is that uh, many Canadians are surprised to hear the statistic that one in two of us are going to develop cancer in our lifetime. However, our survival rates are improving, so it's actually a good news story. What we're, off, what we're able to do is find cancers earlier through things like screening, including breast screening, uh, which uh, we have a mobile program as well as fixed sites, uh, and our treatments are getting better. So both of those things are really good news uh, for, for people uh, living in Canada and Manitoba. Well, now then, the, for people living in Canada and Manitoba, uh, the types of cancer that are most common... That depends on where you live? Well, it depends. Like So in Canada the, and in Manitoba as a, as a microcosm of Canada, uh, the most common kinds of cancers that we see here are lung, colorectal, breast, and prostate. But if you live in other parts of the world, the top two cancers are breast and cervical cancer, which is sort of interesting and people don't realize that. Uh, and then liver cancer is number three worldwide. So it's interesting how we think about cancer that we know what's going on, but if we look at it from the lens of Canada versus internationally and on World Cancer Day, we really are trying to think in that broad context. We realize uh, that we that those cancers do, it does depend on where you live uh, around the world. Well, Dr. Turner, we'll ask you a little bit more about prevention in a minute but Jane this idea of getting checked and and obviously if you are stricken with cancer prevention has already that bus has already left the station it's about detecting it early so how what what programs do we have to help Manitobans, Canadians detect things early? Well, in terms of tomorrow, we're really pleased because both Cancer Care Manitoba and the Foundation do a lot of outreach in different ways, but I think that this is a really special effort tomorrow because we're collaborating with a bunch of different areas from both Cancer Care and the Foundation. And 
what Dr. Turner spoke about is really key. That, that Actually, it's going to be very exciting. The mobile mammography unit is going to be parked at St. Mattel Mall, and women who are eligible for uh, mammograms are going to be able to come on a walk-in basis. So this is a pretty unique uh, thing that we're doing, as well as we're going to have members of our other members of the prevention team, you know, to draw people in, really gain their attention uh, about what they can do, hopefully to live a really healthy lifestyle. And there are, you know, key things that people can do, five lifestyle risk factors, we call them, to really help reduce their own risk of getting cancer. And it's just really important to get those messages out early. So we're going to make it as fun as possible. And we hope to see a lot of people there tomorrow. We launched a series this morning, Global News, uh, Canadian Health and Wellness. And uh, today's focus was on Diet and some, Greg, you mentioned how the prescription for avoiding many things in this world is diet and exercise. But in terms of specifically avoiding cancer, Doctor Turner, what are some of the things that we can do to well, prevent it? So, um, there the the lifestyle things are at the top of the list as always. Um, uh, so there was a study that was done recently and amongst Canadians uh, and uh, talked about the things that were most responsible for for cancer um, uh, in Manitoba of the uh, of the approximately twenty five. 500 uh, cancers that were diagnosed that we think could have been prevented, uh, about 1,100 of those are, are associated with tobacco smoke. So tobacco is still our number one challenge. Number two is uh, physical inactivity is the is the, the next uh, one up. Then healthy weight and eating fruit is actually uh, the next ones that are up uh, on the list. Uh, interestingly, this study separated fruits and vegetables and fruit went out over vegetables. Uh, not to discourage people from eating their vegetables, it's about number six on so it's still very important. Um, and then, of course, for cancer, uh, sun safety uh, is is also very important. But so tobacco and getting off the couch are the number one and two uh, things that we really need people to do. Unfortunately for some people, the two go hand in hand. So you might be at a, at a high, much higher risk based on the fact that you're doing one and doing both. What, what's happening tomorrow at uh, McNally Robinson? Yeah, so there's a, a nice evening session happened with very own Dr. Turner and one of our other doctors, Dr. Aaron Dean, who, and they're going to be doing a, one, a really informative presentation about uh, cancer prevention, and that's at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. And the weather looks like it will cooperate and be good for people to get out. So I think it's going to be an extremely informative talk open to the public. Um, we're also, as we say, at the mall all day long, St. Mattel, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. And I just want to also throw in one last thing. We really encourage people this year to wear their support on World Cancer Day. And what I mean by that is the foundation has launched a apparel campaign and we have sold hundreds of shirts and toques and even fashion socks we have now that say Manitoba versus cancer or protect your tomorrows or more tomorrows together. And those are on sale right now in an online store. So you can visit the foundation's website uh, cancercarefdn.mb.ca backslash World Cancer Day and check it out. You can order through Friday. So it's really about spreading the message as many places as possible. The Mall, McNally, and go to our website. All right. So one more time, uh, the website is cancercarefdn.mb.ca. Dr. Donna Turner is one of our guests. She is the director, provincial director of population oncology with Cancer Care Manitoba. And Jane Kid Hancher is director of marketing and communications for Cancer Care Manitoba Foundation. Thank you so much for taking the time to come see us today. We appreciate this. Thank you for having us. And again, tomorrow is World Cancer Day.
We like to end the show on a positive note whenever we can. And Greg Mackling, I suspect our guest is about to make that happen. I think you're right, Brad. As the saying goes, laughter is the best medicine. It is also a key form of communication and connection. Have you ever heard your friend John Cleese say this, Brett? Laughter connects you with people. It's almost impossible to maintain any kind of distance or any sense of social hierarchy when you're just howling with laughter. Laughter is a force for democracy. Profound words. Indeed they are. Not surprised coming from John Cleese that he would have something so powerful to say. Intelligent and funny as hell. Our next guest practiced what she preaches with some of the most precious patients in any medical setting, those at the end of their life. Zofia Dove joins us in studio now. Zofia, wonderful to see you as always. Thanks for coming to see us on this Monday morning. Thank you for inviting me. So tell us a little bit about your experience in palliative care and that power of connecting with those at the end of their life on a different level, not just providing medicine, not necessarily just providing providing creature comforts, but connecting with people on a, on a different level and their families who are saying goodbye to one another. Yeah. I didn't work on palliative care per se, but I was working with patients which were um, becoming palliative. And um, I... I, I couldn't bear the thought that um, they were to be put to the corner and left alone. So I kept visiting them, even if my, I wasn't assigned to seeing them. But I, um, so I decided it was intentional. I decided to bring joy into their presence because in the process of working with my patients, I discovered that it's not the circumstances, but it is the attitude and the intention that can bring it out. That joy is always present. It doesn't, happiness is circumstantial. It's always out there. It's out of reach. It is, um, it depends on various things. Is it, oh, I'll be happy when I have car or this job or, but joy is inner state and we can tap into it at any time. That other idea of uh, ticking certain achievements, uh, collection of whatever sort of uh, items that we might want in our life, it's exactly that. It can be very robotic. It doesn't necessarily measure what we imagine that it's going to measure, and it's not necessarily going to give us the joy that we think it's going to generate because that list is always changing. The more you want, the more you get. Absolutely. And actually, when I think of it, when my patients were actually, they taught me over years about joy, because I remember coming home and thinking to myself, how is it that they are struggling with all health issues and mental issues and all kinds of issues? But there are moments that they can laugh. So if they can laugh, why can't I? You know, what is it about my life that I am doing or not doing that I'm not tapping into this? So uh, in the process, I think my, my patients were my teachers first, and then it became intentional. When you meet with these patients and go out of your way to bring joy into their lives, to bring laughter into their lives, do you ever get strange reactions from their families? Uh, to introduce, uh, to tap into joy and introduce humor and uh, highly emotionally charged circumstances, one needs to be very aware of the dynamics and fully present and totally focused on what's unfolding in front of you, which I consider being the ultimate uh, patient's um, centered care because the dynamics in the room change instantaneously. One person enters, one leaves. Uh, the patient is in a constant change. You know, today, this moment, I'm feeling good. I'm okay with humor, but in a few minutes, I might be in overwhelming pain, you know, or something else is on my mind. And you have to be very observant. So one of the elements in order to introduce a uh, humor, you know, it, there is 
I would say stages or elements to it, but um, but definitely um, being aware to what's going on. And that requires of us to be present fully with the person in front of us versus being uh, focused on our tasks at hand. We were talking about uh, the fact that you have to be a chameleon to be successful in a lot of in a lot of vocations in life. You have to read the room. You have to read the person that you're sitting across from, having a meeting with. How important is being that chameleon and having your radar on to successfully being funny? Absolutely, you have to be like that because every person is different and what matters to the person is different. I, uh, When I was working in rehabilitation with patients, I would be very observant and listening to matter to that person in that moment and I would connect with them on that level. So this is a funny story, but I remember having working with a young lady who underwent surgery and I intentionally will not name what type, but uh, uh, she was so lethargic. She had no interest in, in working to go back to life, if you will. And so it took, it took first very gentle approach and being in a peaceful space with her. And at some point she revealed to me, once we established uh, communication, that uh, one day when she was being moved through the hallway, uh, she spotted a handsome uh, patient down the hallway. <laughs> so I played into this and I would say to her, come on, let's go and let's go window shopping. And, you know, <laughs> that brought the first smile. And that was the encouragement on which and, and the story and her her observation that I used in order to encourage her to move. So in order to cater, if you will, or... Um, or provide care on individual basis, one, that's why I'm saying, one needs to be fully engaged with the person in front of us. And in that sense, yes, some some type of chameleon, you would say. Yeah, being yeah. fully present in a moment with the person you have in front of you. But how do you do that in a larger sense, in a larger presentation when you're trying to share the benefits of last, laughter, say in a sales organization or an educational situation? You know, you have to be aware of the cultures, right? You need to know. So being in healthcare system, I knew how the the norm of the culture. And I was intentionally, in a sense, challenging that norm by bringing humor because this is environment when situations are very serious. But when you go to a group, the human common common dominator is always present. We humans, we, we act, we engage in similar ways without even... Um, questioning it. One of them being uh, shaving in North America. I came from Poland and women in Poland when I lived there didn't shave. So to me, it was quite a cultural shock that someone expected me to remove what was considered sex appeal element in Poland. So when I am when I am presenting something like this, I am challenging the audience in a funny way as to uh, do you question yourself? What do you follow? And just because it's a norm in your culture, is it workplace? Is it uh, country or province? or, you know, whichever group of people you belong to. If you're not questioning this, that means you are not observant. You are automatically following the rules without questioning what is healthy for me and what would be better for the place, organization, group. So there is a, it's it's so amazing to me how through humor we can actually send messages which are not offensive and they don't trigger the ego, which is always ready to fire back. So we can put messages in, in it's almost subconscious way through humor when comedians you, do it all the time when you think of it so you're an international professional speaker and uh, you speak to these large groups about palliative communications but even though that's your area of specialty do you ever find people will come to you who have nothing to do with 
with what you know with that specific area who just say you know what the what you have just taught me for how I can do my job better is actually going to help me in other areas of my life. You know, it all goes back into our mental health, our um, mindsets, our thinking, which affects our physical and, and energy levels and our mental states. And in that sense, people are the same. You know, if this is organization like healthcare system or it's different organization, people do come to me at times. Actually, frankly, I don't, there is not many that do. Some having a hard time to receive the humor. They are not engaging. They will definitely not give a positive feedback um, after my presentation. But majority of people are engaging and opening to it and participating and experiencing it. That's the biggest part of it. That when they, in my presentations and there is time to uh, be part of it and they engage then they feel instantaneously how the energy rises and, and within them there's it there is you know it uplifts we call it spirit it uplifts something within a human and the, people experience it and then i um call back to them as to you see if you were laughing this in this moment were you capable of worrying about your uh, future or about your past in a moment of laughter you are fully here you are fully in the moment and you couldn't create thoughts your mind was not creating thoughts which were depleting your energy frankly a friend of mine lost her father um right in front of her at christmas and then family members came to canada for visit and for the next um for visit visit and the funeral and for the next week they stayed in winnipeg and i have to tell you all the times we we saw each other we were laughing a lot so after that week when the family left and my girlfriend started truly um processing the grieving um of loss um at some point i asked her tell me please what did that laughter and that camaraderie and that banter did to you and she said to me it pushed the sadness away which is a clear testimonial to i couldn't be in the grief and sadness at the same time when i was laughing and having fun yoga is one of the outlets many of us enjoy i i, I say us in the in the royal sense of the word because <laughs> i don't participate in yoga but i know a lot of people who do and they find it extremely relaxing focusing i could go on with with the superlatives but you were telling me something about and something called laughing yoga. Before we let you go, what is laughing yoga? Well, you know, a series of activities, uh, sound making and uh, participating in, in, a, in a session in a playful way, I would say. And it is the playfulness that triggers the joy. And that's why a little bit of fun, lightheartedness at work um, and being silly, it ignites that inner state, which is positive within all of us. But sometimes it's suppressed by thought and tasks at hand or whatever. So, yes, I went to laughing yoga in the darkest time of my life. Um, as I was mentioning to you earlier, I, I thought I had nothing to laugh about. Actually, frankly, my whole life was um, my outside world was falling apart in various ways, um, losing a loved one um, because of cancer um, Financial problems piling up. I became a single mother of four. It it was it was crumbling down from every direction. And someone invited me to laughing yoga. I remember driving there, thinking to myself, "I have nothing to laugh about. What in the world am I doing?" And um and I experienced that what my patients were experiencing with me all along at that time. 
um, because I tapped into that inner ability that that joy is there and it didn't depend on the circumstances of my life and it triggered the laughter. And with that, all other emotions came to the surface. And that's precisely what is what was happening with my patients. Once we had a moment of laughter, quite often patients would share with me um, about sorrowful things and and there were tears that needed to um you know stream down people's cheeks and, and they were suppressed for years so because you can't suppress one emotion um without suppressing another so when one is suppressed all of them are suppressed but i discovered the power of laughing yoga and i remember coming home my son and his girlfriend were sitting on the couch and they couldn't believe the energy around me. Um, and that's another thing that my patients testified numerous times, that when someone comes with positive mindset, um, calmness, um, patience versus uh, being stressed and how we affect each other just by our inner states, you know, are we in a positive mindset and, and what, what kind of energy we bring to the room. It's infectious. Laughter's infectious. When someone tells a joke, Brett, inevitably other people start telling a joke. Oh, here's my best one. <laughs> and and it starts a, an incredible process a, a, of connecting. Sophia, thanks for connecting with us today. Will you come and see us again? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.